0: I want to encourage you at this time to open in your copy of God's Word to Genesis chapter 2, verses 18 through 25, as we continue after a two-week hiatus uh, in our study of Genesis. When we looked at this Book last three weeks ago, we spoke about creation ordinances and how they are these operating instructions or principles that God has given us that He's hardwired into creation. And we're going to look at the next one, marriage, next week. This week, though, my aim is real simple. We need to talk about. The fact that when God made his image, he created it male and female. Okay? So let's look at Genesis chapter 2, verses 18 through 25. Then the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make a helper fit for him. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. Brothers and sisters, this is the word of God. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the living God stands forever. Let's pray. Almighty God, we thank you for your word. You have established it and it abides. Indeed, it is life. We ask that we would be humble, that we would be broken before it, that we might be built up by it. We ask that in this time of proclamation, that the words from my mouth would be faithful and That the words that are not, that are dross, would quickly pass away. But Lord, encourage us, embolden us, and shape us. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. All right. I don't think I'm alone when I say that I don't like it when things don't do what they're supposed to do. Right? When you have a drawer that won't open, it's frustrating. It's like, is it really so hard, drawer? Just open, you know, when a computer doesn't turn on right and you just want to bang it with a hammer, uh, come on, really, is it really that hard, computer, Um, when things don't do what they're supposed to do, it is aggravating, and that's life for us since the fall. Since the fall, not a day has gone by where any human being has experienced things, everything going according to purpose and plan. Futility and frustration, indeed hardship, decay, and ultimately death are an invasive part of a fallen world. Of course, it wasn't meant to be that way. And praise God in Christ, the day is coming when it will not be. But for now, in the interim, this marks our existence. We come now to this part of the creation narrative that is, in effect, a zoomed in view of what transpired in Genesis 1, verses 26 to 31. What is mentioned in in cursory passing in those few verses is extrapolated out throughout this chapter. We get a zoomed-in perspective on the creation of mankind. And it's hard for us. Why? Because a few things are basic to our experience as human beings. There are a few things that so fundamentally shape our sense of self and our interactions with the world that it makes it almost impossible for us to rise above and beyond it. And the chief thing is our sin. We are reformed. And one of the tenets, one of the unique features of our of our tradition is, is a very robust understanding of this doctrine we call total depravity, which means that every faculty and part of our person has been affected by sin. But, but what that means for us practically is that not a day goes by where I'm not looking through my eyes or he- hearing through my ears or feeling through my affections or thinking through my mind, and it's all contaminated. And so when we come to passages like this, that, that lay out the, the basic framework for, for our relations as humans, we, we bristle. We bristle if we're a woman because we understand the abuse and the exploitation that has marked human relations. And we bristle. We bristle if we're a man because we feel the frustration of having continual conflict with women. We feel the frustrations. And it's difficult for us to get past our sin when we have a discussion like this. But, brothers and sisters, we are new creations in Christ. And God's will for us is that we would begin to see anew, to see things as they are meant to be, to rebuke and repudiate, to resist the sin that exists within us, to, to create a climate and a culture in his kingdom, which is the visible church, where goodness and uprightness rule. That is how we witness to the world what new creational living is all about. That is what it means for us to be a city on a hill. So brothers and sisters, let us do the hard work of of acknowledging but then wrestling back the, the bristles as they occur. Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, begins with one of the most astonishing verses in the Bible. In the midst of a perfect creation, a sinless creation, there is something that is not good. God has created a state of affairs that God says is not good. Now remember, this is the zoomed in. So so something happens by the end of the day that allows God to say it's very good. But as it's created, it's it's not good. And 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 what is the thing that is not good? The man is alone. This is not a statement of his psychological state. It's not saying the man was sad or lonely. We get no indication that Adam complained to God. So we see here something more profound. This is God's verdict of the situation. The man is alone. This is not good. And we see something really, really, really important from this. When you hear people say, all I need is Jesus, all I need is the Lord, that's That's not true. God says it was not good that Adam was alone, and yet God had unbroken, unfettered access and fellowship with God. You see, what is needed as created incarnate beings is not just a relationship with our Creator, as essential as that is. The man needs horizontal relations. And he needs something else beside himself if he is to faithfully fulfill the task and purpose that has been assigned to him. It is not good that the man is alone. This is not a statement that the work of plowing that field was too tough for him to handle. When we speak of of things philosophically, we can say that we are accidental. That is to say, we could have not been. But most of us don't use the word accidental in the philosophical sense. We use it in the normal sense, which means to say that an accident is something that occurs without intent or purpose. Okay? So in that sense, the things going on here and what God does when he makes a woman... It's not an accident. You see, if, if Adam's problem, this is not unique to me, I am saying only what has been said by Christians for two millennia. Actually, the, our Jewish forefathers for millennia before that, that. That if Adam simply needed more muscle, God could have made another man. Better yet, God could have taken out a bunch of body parts and made a bunch of people. God could have just given him a team of oxen. Frankly, didn't he have access to that kind of thing? It may not have been an ox, but it was some kind of bovine creature. So we see that the aloneness here is not simply simply technical. That he needs a technical assistant. Here, hold this so I can hammer that. Though another set of hands sure is handy for that. No, I I think the aloneness here is primarily focused on the fact that there's this purpose for which God made man. And man cannot do it alone. The man could not do it alone. And so what I want to do today, as I said before I began my sermon, is that I simply want to discuss the maleness and the femaleness of the image of God. Because before we talk about marriage, which is instituted in this passage, we have to understand the inherent goodness of masculinity and femininity. Because we have a hard time with that men continually say, Christian men continually say, women, you can't live with them and you can't live without them. Women have their derogatory things they say about men. We are at odds because of sin. And our culture, throughout its various points in history, we're at a point in history right now where where it's men who are the bad guys or who are the problem but it waxes and wanes and throughout history it's the ladies who are and it, we really need to appropriate and wrap our mind around the fact that maleness and femaleness are good and we need them both okay so praise god for you men and your manliness And praise God for you women and your womanliness. So in proponency of the maleness and femaleness of the image of God, I have three points to make. And the first point is this. By yourself, you do not fully image God. Look back at Genesis 1, and 28. What does it say? So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God's image is male and female. We are... We say, because we want to affirm the goodness of, of both sexes, that, that we're both made in the image of God. And that's true, but as it is, it's imprecise. You see, to understand the image, we have to take a step back and understand the Godhead. When we speak of God, God is a triune being, He exists in Trinity. Okay? And God in Trinity can be spoken of in two ways or two aspects. We have what's called the, the economic Trinity, and we have what's called the essential Trinity. In his essential nature, the essential Trinity, God is wholly other. He's unchanging, immutable. He's without parts, passions. He is pure spirit. Okay? These essential qualities are what we would say the incommunicable attributes of God. These God retains all rights to this. But then we have what's known as the economic Trinity, and this is how God this is the revelation that God gives us of how the persons of the Trinity interrelate, how it relates to the world, how the Trinity relates to the world, and it includes what we would refer to as the communicable attributes of God, where, where God contains a power to the perfect, to the nth degree, but yet we, we have a measure of it. So for example, we have creative capacity. We're not as creative as God, but we do have creative capacity, right? We, we have knowledge. It's, it's not to the nth degree that God has, but we have real knowledge, Love even. We don't love perfectly. We don't love fully. But we do love. Okay, and, and extrapolate that out. Now, now, what that means, when you look at the attributes of God and the characteristics of God across Scripture, it is true that at the essential level, God is without spirit. I mean, he's without body. And, and really, God is a spirit. God is not a sexual being. God is neither male nor female in the essential, God just is. But God relates to us as father. God chooses and wills to relate to us in the masculine. But within the person of God, when you take that full gamut of attributes, we see attributes that we would ascribe to the masculine and that we would ascribe to the feminine. You see, God is so big and so wondrous that in his one being he contains the full attributes that in mankind we see divided out between male and female. We are not omnipotent, omniscient, and omnipresent. We can't be all things And so God spreads it out in his image. So when God made man, the image was incomplete. When God made Adam, there was a human image that was a portrayal of those things that we would call masculine. But the image was incomplete. And so when God gives a command to Adam to subdue the earth and he can't do it alone, so the woman is created and she is the image that conveys the feminine characteristics of God. And then together, male and female, he created the image of God. So women What you bring to the table is glorious. And without you, if if, if women were kept, we we would utterly lose that aspect of the image. And men, without you, we would utterly lose that aspect. We must appreciate the other because in the other we see the aspects of the image that are lacking in ourselves. So, What that means is, each of you, each of you, by yourself in isolation, you are to image God to the best of your ability, but you were made for fellowship. By yourself, we do not fully image God, because God is a plurality of persons. God exists in fellowship. So to be his image, we must exist in fellowship. That is how and where we image him properly, which is why it's so essential that we have a church family where we can challenge and and, and, and encourage one another to reject what the culture has taught us about maleness and femaleness and see what God has to say. Now, the second point I want to make about having been created male, and female the image of god is male and female there is differentiation male and female are differentiated to differentiate means to acknowledge the differences between two or more things the differences or distinctions to differentiate it is important and it's eye opening to note that when god creates the first two people there is no discussion at all about their skin color what color would they have been doesn't even matter there's no discussion of height appearance there's no discussion of uh, of of anything their intelligence level innate skills did did they come into the world knowing how to how how to how to make wheat i mean it's not self evident that if you take this grain and dry it out and grind it it becomes flour i mean Where did that first knowledge... We have questions, 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 and they're not there. But you know what is made clear at the very beginning? There's one distinction between them that's listed. Male and female. That is the fundamental distinction between humans. And try as you may, you cannot deny it. As soon as you see another human being, you immediately think, you immediately recognize male or female. And it's a pause for you. It's a momentary glitch. And you spend time trying to figure it out when you encounter someone who is intentionally trying to be androgynous. Because the distinction between male and female is the other fundamental aspect of our reality. At the beginning I mentioned sin and its effects on us. That's so true. But our gender is one of our basic things we cannot avoid. Now hear me right now, your existence is not reduced to whether you're a male or female. But it's also true that everything you experience is shaped by your maleness or your femaleness. How you respond, your, the, the way the world has interacted with you, the way other people, it's all a part. That is fundamental Maleness and femaleness. It's binary. Okay? The image of God is binary. It's male or female. It can be referred to as he, her, or them in plurality. Not it. Not any of the other pronouns. Choose The rise and triumph of the modern self has brought confusion, chaos, and carnage upon humanity. It's not brought liberation and freedom. You see, when you try to suppress what God has built into the very fabric of creation, you are simply not functioning as it ought. And those distinctions will bleed out. You, you, you can't keep that much pressure contained forever. It will express itself. It will manifest itself. And unfortunately, in a sinful environment, that usually takes the shape of a sinful outburst. And so you can rightly and accurately speak of something called toxic masculinity. Now, the stuff commonly referred to as toxic masculinity is, is not necessarily toxic masculinity but there is a toxic propensity of some men to use their physical strength and exploitation of a of a woman's typically uh, relationally inclined nature to to oppress or, sub, or 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 abuse and that's wicked but there's also a tendency for there to be something that is less favorable, but toxic femininity. Where women use their relational normative giftedness, and they maneuver, they scheme, they they exploit their sexuality. It happens, and it's wickedness all around. What we need is a return to a biblical understanding of the differentiation, the good differentiation between male and female. You are a woman, and that is good. You are a man, and that is good. There's no in between. What about in a broken world, fallen, stuff is broken sometimes. That's not 99.99% of humanity. You you are male or female. Now, it is not by chance. The the differentiation between male and female is not by chance. The, The composition and constitution that constitutes masculinity or femininity, God made it that way. Yes, sinful cultures may have done stuff with it, but our job is to, is to get past that. So you have to remember that when we, speak of, when, when we speak of what it means to be male or female, and this is not a sermon series on maleness and femaleness, you have to distinguish between three things in the Bible. First, you have principles, which the Bible lays out in broad stroke fashion. And it's principles that you see in passages like this. Then you see the patterns of Scripture, which is where you read through the pages of Scripture, and and, and these are the, the the examples you see demonstrated over and over. And some patterns are wicked, and some patterns are righteous. You note the, but then we have the prescriptions. And these are the actual do this or don't do that. One of the problems we've run into, and is that we've We've turned patterns and principles into prescriptions um, in ways that we perhaps shouldn't. But we nonetheless need to acknowledge their reality. So we are different, and the differences are good. But third, not only are we different, we are complementary. You see the complementary nature of things in verse 18. I will make a helper fit for him. We're going to look at helper next week. Because that's a big word. It's an important word. But right now it's the fit for him part. The, The word fit for him, the word fit for, in Hebrew that means opposite yet corresponding. Okay? Opposite yet corresponding so we're different but we're not different like a cat and a dog are different we're different but yet we correspond we we go together anatomically yes but socially relationally the 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 two fit and together There's the complete whole. We see the complementary nature when you consider the creative mandate, the cultural mandate, the, the command to be fruitful and multiply, to fill the earth and subdue it. You see that big command that is given. We see the differences in how the way they're created corresponds to the unique Tasks in fulfilling that mandate that God has assigned to them. For example, in chapter 2, verse 6, we see that God makes man from the ground, from the dust of the ground. And so what's the task that God assigns to him? To till the ground, to care for the thing from which he was made. Eve, the woman, is created from a rib from Adam's side, and, and much has been made of the fact that it was a rib and not a toe or, a, or something like that. Suffice to say, when, when you take something from someone's core, you are really communicating essential stuff here. If, if he had made her from a toenail, right, or a strand of hair, you know, got the DNA from the follicle or whatever, it would be tempting to think that it was just a discard. No, from his core, God took apart and then so in a very real sense, to receive that part back into himself is to embrace her. But God made her from the man and then as a helper, we'll unpack that later, to the man and she is then presented back to the man indicating that her principal aspect of fulfilling the cultural mandate exists in the relational you cannot have human civilization we we were just talking Tim and I before the church about kids needing socialized and 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 they do they do they humans need socialized way more than dogs do and dogs need I mean Humans need socialized, and, and, and the first and foremost, the principal arena of socialization is supposed to be the home. It's in the home when, where you learn to fear the Lord. It's in the home where you learn the basic, you're supposed to learn the basic rubrics of how you stand in a social ladder, that you're not a person above authority, that you're under authority, and, and how to relate and solve problems with others. You need the family. So you can't have human civilization without that. And certainly, you can't have procreation without the two. God could have made us like worms. But then again, the character of God is so big and so great that in order to be properly imaged, it had to be spread out in its attributional distribution between two. You need the male, you need the female. We need you women, we need you men. So the creational mandate applies to both Adam and Eve, but yet in asymmetric ways. The way they were created, the tasks they were assigned, demonstrate an asymmetric relationship to the world but yet a unified complementary approach that only when they do that together are they going to be able to fulfill the calling. Nothing is better or worse. It's just different, but complementary. So, to sum it all up, you cannot image God fully by yourself. You need the other. The way God made you in your basic identity as a man or a woman, a boy or a girl, is good. That differentiation is real, and it's important that we acknowledge it, because attempting to pretend that life is androgynous is an exercise in futility. You're trying to hold back the tide. And third, though we are different, we are complementary. We truly need the other, truly. So, this is appropriate that I say this before we go into Purpose Week. I am thrilled then that in the face of a world that tries to make everything androgynous, nothing—it could be male and female—are utterly interchangeable. You're just a—you're just a, a, a Lego square block. In the face of a world that tries to smother distinctiveness, the reality of gender distinctions and complementarity are real. And thus it's important and it's beautiful that we as a church are among some others that, that, that have so a special time for our girls to be nurtured. That it's good that they're a girl. It's good that God made them to be women. And what will that look like? And then it's good simultaneously that we have a time for our boys. That it's good that you're a boy. And it's good that you're going to be a man. And what will that look like? So pray for our purpose week, our attendees, our our workers. Pray for yourselves. Pray for your families. Pray for this church. We need God's grace. But in everything, remember... The goodness and wisdom of God is on display in creation. And that includes you and the person to your left, to your right, to your front, and your rear. Let's pray.